project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. About 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast through their iPhone. So please pick up your device, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave our show a five-star rating and a review. Please check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Elsewhere Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You could check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com services. And while you're there, if you're interested in a marketing partnership or need a speaker for your event, please reach out to us. And of course, you could find me, Brian Kui, last name is spelled C-U-I, on LinkedIn. So today on the podcast, I have Sue Chamberlain. She is the Vice President of privacy and compliance at Record Reproduction Services. So in part one of this two-part episode, we talk about how being an HIM director is not necessarily a dead-end position. We get into a discussion of how HIM is involved with the bigger picture and also utilizing critical thinking skills. Sue's passion in HIM is release of information, but as you listen to her story, it took her over 30 years just to get into a position that she finally wanted. So without further ado, here's my two-part interview with Sue Chamberlain. Enjoy. All right, so welcome everybody to the Not Also Classified podcast. I have on the podcast a very special guest. Everybody's special, I say that, but uh, this topic is very special. And we'll get into that. But, of course, before I get started, let's go ahead and introduce our guests. Uh, today on the podcast, I have Sue Chamberlain. How are you, Sue? I am doing great. Thank you. All right. Thank you for being on the podcast. Um, the way we connected, uh, it had to go back to the AHIMA conference, right? So I did, uh, or I was invited to speak, uh, and, or whatever. I proposed a, a topic for them in regards to effective communication. And and I looked at it, I'm like, boy, this is a great opportunity for me to share what I do in podcasting because I think 
Uh, and in the store, in, in the presentation itself, I kind of share how podcasting has helped me connect with people and 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 interview people in such a way that it actually improves the way I speak. And 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 it it works very well now because I listen to myself way back when and up until now it's gotten a little bit better. I kind of improved, and um, I remember it. The whoever the 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 person that was um, that was overseeing the event said the the last minute you have to record it. I'm like, wait, it's not live. I'm like, oh no. So I had to set up everything. I had to put a camera here, lights over here, and I'm like, you know what? This is crazy. So I've never done. Uh, a recording that I, I wanted to make it really nice. So I recorded it and I'm like, when is this going to be released? <laughs> I had no clue. Um, I, I didn't really sign up to be part of the conference. I just did. I just wanted to submit something and I thought it would be live, but it never came to be. So I found out that it was part of a, a breakfast. The first the first thing, right? It was the first uh, session. Yes. Yeah. Yep. In the morning. Yep. So, so let me ask you, how did how did that? Because I never really saw it. So how did how did it look to you when you attended the conference? Well, it looked great. That's part of the reason why I reached out to you afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, for one thing, we had very similar backgrounds, but I also really enjoyed listening to it, which is why I reached out to let you know that. Um, it was what I really liked is the fact of what your goals were to just kind of reach out to all HIM areas to talk to them to help students to help everybody and uh i really liked that as well yeah i i was very surprised when um well i i think i made it a point at the end i put my my linkedin profile i said look if you if you have any questions um check me out on linkedin and before before i before we did this interview i actually recorded a linkedin uh strategy which i just released earlier and uh, I, I made it a point to tell people, like, look, if you're doing any speaking events or, you know, or anything, put your LinkedIn profile there. Because uh, to me, that's your virtual business card, <laughs> no matter what. Don't even send them the phone number, not, not even an email. Just, just send them to LinkedIn and they'll find you. And I've, I figured if I put that on a national stage, I mean, I, 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 didn't, I didn't know if I was allowed to do it or not. But I just put it in there. I said, look, if I'm just going to record this, I'm going to do it my way because... Um, if they want to take it out, then they'll take it out. But I guess it worked. So uh, the first thing I was checking as I look, who's going to connect with me? And I got a few. And then one of them was you. And you were the one of the few that actually sent me a message like, hey, I enjoyed your presentation. And I, I, I like that. And that makes to, that makes a very good point, especially when you um, especially if you listen to somebody speak. Like for me, if I if I find you interesting, I'm going to connect with you. I'm gonna. Right. I'm not gonna be worried about what you think. I'm not gonna be worried of where you came from or what you believe. Whatever. If I think you're interesting, I'm gonna connect with you, and I'm gonna say, "Hey, you did a great job of this presentation." And and by saying just that alone, it it does wonders for the person receiving it. So, just the yeah. little things go, can go a long way. And I think because I was a presenter that same day, later in the day, and. You know, this year is completely different by having to do everything virtually and pre-record and do all of that with a whole different person and not being able to see the faces of the people you're talking to. So, yeah, it was absolutely different. And so I think that there is that appreciation that 
you know, those of us who try to do that understand what the other people are feeling, which is part of the reason why I wanted to let you know what a great job you did. Oh, thank I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I, I, li- I, I like how you mentioned the feedback. And, and that's as a speaker and as myself, I'm also an educator. Uh, I need to have that feedback. Like if if you don't like it, okay, tell me why. So how can I adjust it? And and uh, I guess with with nowadays we need to be have, having some form of open education. Like if I did something wrong, tell me. All right, fine. Let me make adjustments. Let me fix something so that way I could turn out better. Uh, so feedback, great. All right, okay. so let's go ahead and get started. We have a lot to talk about. We've already kind of like <laughs> uh, we spoke earlier. I'm like, boy, we have a lot to talk about. So. Um, before I begin, before we get started, just to give you a premise, uh, the 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 person that I um, recorded uh, an interview with was uh, Robin Sewell, and uh, she mentioned the one thing that she mentioned, or the thing, the one thing that I mentioned to her uh, when she was talking about how she's how she went back into the inpatient side, working for a hospital as a as a consultant or with a contract with a hospital up in New York. And uh, she mentioned how the appeals process was antiquated. And uh, and and I myself, by, by trade, I'm also an auditor. And I kind of felt what she was talking about when she said, told me antiquated. Because uh, one of the things that you have to deal with as somebody who's reviewing anything in terms of medical records is the medical record itself. And... The one thing that that I mentioned is, well, if if the appeals coordinator is uh, handling the medical records, it should feel like release of information. You know, when you're trying to gather that information um, or the requests may be trying to submit all of that information, it feels like release of information. And. And I'm like, boy, that that that's somebody I need to have on. And I think uh, that when I was doing the interview, you came to mind. I'm like, well, great. I'm glad to have her on. So today we're going to talk a little bit on. Well, I don't know how long, but but have a good, healthy conversation <laughs> on on a release of information and another discussion. We're going to talk about you know being an HIM director and so forth. But let's get with the first question, Sue. Uh, where did you come from, and how did you get to where you're at today? Okay. Well, unfortunately, it's somewhat of a long question because okay. I've been doing this for, um, you know, <clears throat> 30 plus years because I started when I was five. Mm. And um, yeah, I wish. Um, <laughs> oh, I actually, um, I'm one of many people that I hear when they say, why'd you go into the HIM field? It was because I was very, very interested in healthcare, but not necessarily patient care. Mm. And I hear that from a lot of people. So Um, I'm actually from Michigan, went to school there, and my first job out of school was an inpatient coder, and back then I did utilization review. So back then, and I was an RRA, so ART and RRA back in those old credentials. Mm -hmm. Um, But the nice part that we taught, that was taught back then, was a lot more of the clinical. So things have actually changed quite a bit over the years. From there, I became an operations supervisor, and then I went into quality um, and joint commission prep Mm -hmm. um, for a substance abuse company or substance abuse center. And from there, I actually moved into a small hospital where I ended up as a a, um, director, HIM director. I needed to take on all of our physician offices as well. 
So that was my first as as uh, E&M coding and all of that came out. Mm-hmm. I got very much involved with our physicians as well as everything in the hospital. And I will say this for a lot of the students out there. The one nice thing about going to some of the rural hospitals, the small ones, you wear every hat. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a really good experience of all the different elements that need to be done in a hospital setting. And in this case, the physician setting. And then um, from there, I actually ended up spending a little bit of time in uh, insurance, staff model HMO. So again, very much physician and payer side. Realized that wasn't really for me. And then ended up on the physician side and in education, I've been doing education and um, working with students uh, in Michigan uh, and a couple of different programs there throughout the years. And then I ended up um, back in the hospital setting or back in the physician setting. And I wanted to kind of get back into the hospital setting. So I ended up, I did move down to Cincinnati, which is where I live now. Mm-hmm and um, went from uh, the um, maize and blue down to the Buckeyes, which, you know, is a little bit of an issue, but that's okay. <laughs> and um, he, there I took a position as HIM director again to get back in the hospitals, but then I was also given the HIM for all the physician offices as mm-hmm. well. Okay. Now, what led there is um, I actually had brought in my current company. So I now work for RRS Medical and we are, we like to call it um, secure PHI transfer because it is way more complicated than just releasing information, the old days of copy machines. But I had um, another vendor in the hospital side doing release of information, but I found that they didn't really understand the differences between a hospital ROI and the nuances there and what goes on in a physician office. So physicians have a different relationship with their patients. They have different concerns and that type of thing. So I knew that the ROI company I was using wasn't gonna meet my needs. So I ended up bringing in RRS Medical. And then when I left the hospital that I was at, I joined RRS Medical as their compliance officer and uh, VP of education as well. So they're letting me do all the things I love most, educating people and making sure we're doing things right. Okay. So there's my <laughs> quick run through 30 years. <laughs> so out of all of that, uh, and I, I wrote everything down in this little piece of paper <laughs> here, by the way. Um, so I wrote down inpatient coding, utilization review, you did, uh, quality joint commission, HIM director a couple times. Uh, I say quality you work with ENM physician education. You worked on the payer side. You did some adult education, uh, back into the HIM uh, director world, working with hospitals and physicians, and then got into release of information. So, uh, boy, you, you, you really, um, for, for the students that are listening here, I mean, <laughs> could you see the opportunities uh, that she just laid out? And I, I think the idea is, because um, going to my, the, the conversation that I, was, I mentioned earlier, uh, I had a conversation with one of my mentees and one of the... One of the concerns that she had, she just graduated uh, college. She got her RHIA, and uh, one of her concerns, well, she, she, one of her, she's been applying, and one of the 
uh, opportunities that came up to her was being a um, HIM management trainee, and it's a paid. It was a paid opportunity, um, and uh, it was something that was she was she was kind of looking at, but not necessarily interested. There was other a couple. There were other couple opportunities that she really wanted to look at in terms of specialties, and um, for some reason she didn't really feel that she needed to be, like it didn't really suit her but she was open to the opportunity and we went into a conversation about like why didn't she like the opportunity i think it would be great um and uh, she felt that if she took the role uh, and became you know like an him director right and she felt that being an him director in today's uh, industry kind of felt like to her as a student still learning uh, like a dead end job <laughs> you know? right so um, I, I, I agree I agreed in, in some way uh, because most of the HIM director not most but the ones that I've, I've connected with they, they stay in that role and they really like it I, I guess and, and um, it's not that uh, they're in a dead end role uh, they maybe they love that they have a passion for that area and they want to stay it there. Like for me, if it was CDI or auditing, I would like to stay in that area. Even though, like you mentioned earlier before this podcast recording, is that you never wanted to get into coding. Neither did I, and here I am, you know, doing you know audits and stuff like that. And uh, if if I had to stay in one area, it would be that. It would be that area, and I wouldn't I wouldn't see myself going any other way. I would be open to go in another direction. May it be health IT, may it be whatever, it may be even regulatory going to compliance. Um, but that's like that's your baby, you know. That's where you kind of feel comfortable with. And yeah. uh, I, I told her, I said, look, there's there's great opportunities when you're involved as an HIM director because of what you just mentioned, all the the different the different areas that, and you mentioned the in terms of the, you know, working for a rural area. You wear many hats, and because you wear many hats, you may, you may be good in one area. You may not be so great in another area. And I think just being revealed, like if you put everything on the table, you you'll see where what you're good at, what you can truly specialize in, and then from there you can, can you know you can get into that direction. And yep. and one of the Let's say, for example, now with like, for example, health information technology, health IT, health healthcare analytics. Um, if let's say most of the HM directors that I knew, they were in, they were at a point in time where um, records were from paper transitioning to an electronic environment, and and of course the HIM director has always been the person as part of that committee to plan everything. And and once they get their foot in the door and get involved in that process, then they become more of the expert. And then once they once they understand the the workflows and everything like that, the systems, then they can actually move into a higher role. And I've seen a lot of HIM directors go in that direction as well. So um, HIM director, it's not a dead end job, but but for some reason, um, with students nowadays, it feels like it's not attractive. So what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, you missed the, not only did I say uh, the two things I didn't want to do was coding and management. So, uh, yeah. So I understand that concept because again, when you're in school and you're seeing what all there is out there, um, there's just so many opportunities. And in fact, when I was in school, I was really excited about ROI. Well, it took me 30 years to really get into it. Mm -hmm. 
But what I would say to students is that, you know, there's a lot of doors that are available to go through. And part of the reason I did so many things is I ultimately wanted to get to the point where I was teaching. Unfortunately, I was able to do that, but I thought that the more experience I had in different areas would really help me and strengthen me as an instructor, mm -hmm. which it has. But the but the it's done, and I think that you get HIM in general is that you're going to be exposed to so many things you're going to get such a big picture understanding about what is going on in the field and where your opportunities might be so when you get in and start getting into some meetings you might find you want to go into the IT area you might want to go into data governance now what's going to get you through the door to that area is going to be all the experience and that big picture mm -hmm. understanding mm -hmm. that you got by working in the HIM department. Let's take a moment for a quick break. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10-CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education, created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. And now back to our show. And many people in the HIM don't really even know what HIM people do. As long as everything's running smoothly, a lot of times the C-suite doesn't even know. IT doesn't bring them in when they should be bringing them in mm -hmm. because exactly what you said, we have that knowledge base that a lot of other areas don't have. So having the big picture and then deciding where you want to narrow it down, you now have a lot more doors open than if you go to this one specialty that may be limited of finding a job in that area. Mm -hmm. And once you finally get it, you may be able to move around in there, but you won't have as many opportunities because you lack experience in some of these other areas. So I, you know, to me, the more experience you can get and the more you can understand how everything goes together, which we 
you know, we can hit some more with even talking about how the auditing process and ROI, when you were discussing that with the other individual, there's so much of how all the different areas of healthcare come together. And I always used to say that we used to have HIMs had one foot in the billing side and one foot in the operations side. We're mm -hmm. kind of the interpreter between both areas of the organization. Mm -hmm. And that is a huge knowledge um, um, skill set to have. Right. Right. And, and, and um, I, I like how you mentioned the big picture, right? So yeah. even in the role as an HM director, you, you're revealed to, 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 to yourself the bigger picture. And I think one of the skills that a lot of HIM professionals have is seeing the workflow from the beginning, once the patient is admitted, through the end, you, even from the time that they're discharged, from the time that it's coded, you see the chart in every step of the process, even now up until the appeals process. So yep. regardless of wherever you are in the process, I mean, for, for people who feel like, boy, I have to be specialized in, in HIM to, to make a difference, to, uh, to have a lucrative career, not necessarily. I mean, w once you, like, for me, like, I've done CDI, I've done auditing, but I've also done HIM, being an HIM director for a jail. Um, I've done an HIM technician. I've done radiology file clerk. But regardless, the, the education that I received in, in my HIM program in South Florida always had me thinking, like, what's the bigger picture? Like, where does this part of whatever I do fit in? Right. Where does the medical record? I'm always involved with the medical. How is the medical record involved in what I do? And and to have that thought process, even when you're trying to take that exam, the RHIT, RHIA or whatever exam, always think about like, OK, I'm doing this process, but how does it fit in the bigger picture? And with yep. it, the, reason, the reason why a lot of HIM um, students kind of freak out when they prepare for the exam is, is because they have to realize that bigger picture. They have to understand the different components of that bigger picture. But once you pass that test, I mean, for real, you, when you, when you get into the field for some reason, like, like how, how I discussed the, the appeals process, but for all, all of a sudden the release of information comes in, like, how does release of information come into the appeals process? How does, how can we get the appeals process and release of information working together so that way it can work better? You know, so yep. two parts of polar opposites of, of HIM functions. Um, you know, if you have that type of thinking in terms of the big picture, which I think could be the title of this podcast. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly. Yeah. I mean, you, you yourself, I mean, for, for, I, I think that's the idea is, is when you graduate out of the HIM program, you have to have the understanding of the bigger picture and then understanding the individual parts. And so once you realize the individual parts, that's where you can specialize, but you can never forget what the big picture is. Exactly. And even as if you look at even coders, coders need to understand CDI, mm -hmm. documentation improvement. So that, yes, they go in and they're told code only what is in the chart. Mm -hmm. Well, we've got a couple of things that happen after they code the record. There may be some denials based upon what they code. Well, they should be involved in that to understand because they can also identify where there might be some documentation education that can go out there to get paid for the services that were really done if something's happening 
and they may not be CDI, but on the other hand, just being able to say, okay, here are some examples. They need to understand how that impacts the finances of the organization, because if you have a bunch of cases where we can't pull in a comorbid condition to take up a DRG because patient had it, but it's not documented well enough, well, what's the financial impact, which includes not being able to buy equipment for the doctors, mm -hmm. not being able to hire more people when you need it. It all connects mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. everything that somebody in HIM does. It impacts the patient and it impacts the finances of the entire organization. Yeah, even working in, in CDI, you, you get a sense of, and I think that's the idea is, I think my original point is even though you know the bigger picture, you understand the different components. And for some reason, those components, they draw lines yep. <laughs> around each other. So, for yep. example, I've been doing a presentation uh, with local chapters in regards to the, the fine line that's being drawn uh, between coding and CDI. And uh, I, I do I, I talk about my, my instance and in where I just break down that barrier because as an HIM professional, I know it connects and there should not be a fine line barrier. And, um, you know, even in working with as a CDI person, I always connected with the release of information people because they're really cool people. But, you know, the whenever I walked into um, I mentioned the presentation before I even get to to work as a CDI. I always have to open the department door. And when you open the HAM, the first thing that you will see is always a release of information specialist, right? So I, I always chat with them in the morning. They're, they're, they're always getting ready uh, for the day, getting ready for all of those requests and so forth that they have to deal with. All of the phone calls, all of the, I mean, it is a crazy job when they, you know, people who come in requesting the record and I always, I'm always listening to them. Can you please fill out the authorization form and so forth? So HIPAA is a big thing. And, um, but my point is that, you know, even though we have, I think our responsibility now, nowadays as a HIM director or even just being an HIM professional is, is putting or bringing each individual part of the department together. So that way it is one flowing process because if it's a, if it's one process, then it hits a wall, then it goes, you know, it goes over. It's going to be a bumpy ride. And I think as I think the way I see, you know, HIM now is that we need to kind of take down those barriers again. It's probably we've had them before and uh, create a smooth process. That's that's how it works. That's how I feel it should be. And I think when you're looking at two, I mean, they just had something come out that like most average hospital has like 16 different EHRs, mm -hmm. so 16 <laughs> different places that oh everybody's storing patient information, mm -hmm. which hopefully it all goes into one central place that is the source of truth. But all of us in HIM kind of know that that's not always the case so now you get to the auditing process where somebody's coming back and they're doing the audit and somebody just goes in and grabs the record without necessarily understanding the components of what is needed for mm -hmm. a true audit to mm -hmm. be able to support it again financial impact and patient impact because again if you don't get the records out the patient may have to cancel appointments they may have to you know it, get repeated tests, all of that stuff, that release of information has to be responsible for understanding the whole designated record set and legal health record 
which we're supposed to do, especially as part of interoperability that is coming along mm -hmm. with the Cures Act. Mm -hmm. So there's so much in it that intertwines. And if people start thinking that it's just a basic process, which is again, why we try to hit it more with a secure PHI transfer to show that it's, you know, securely getting the information where you need to get it. It's not just throwing a record on a copy machine and sending it out, <laughs> but there's just such that important concept of how it's being used, where it's going, what's needed. And that's where the different teams do need to work together. The physicians, the documentation, the CDI, I actually um, implemented in a previous position, we implemented a PHI program or a CDI program mm. in the physician setting. Mm, nice. And you got to look at that from the standpoint of, you know, when audits come into the physician side, sometimes the records that they're pulling are going to determine whether or not the inpatient surgery gets paid for. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you did a knee replacement, you got the hospital records, but if the hospital record doesn't have all of the past physical therapy notes and um, joint injections and how they did with that, they may not pay for the knee replacement that was done in the hospital. Right. So all of it is becoming even more intertwined even over the last five to 10 years than it ever was before. Right. I, I, I see it because as I mentioned before, I'm an auditor. So mm -hmm. one of the things that I would see is the records. So I, I guess from a workflow process, so I'm auditing the records. So I can just, I, I know as, as an HIM professional, I know that a request goes to the hospital and from there, whoever that release of information specialist is responsible for pulling whatever records that's being requested on that request sheet. And yep. uh, they, they'll pull whatever they need to pull. And then it, it then the, the, the company that I work for it receives it, they'll process it. And then it comes to me and then I'll look at it. And I'm like, where's, where's the, where's, you know, such and such information. So like one for for example, I was, I was reviewing uh, uh, an opera report and I looked at it very closely and there was a missing page out of the opera report. So you would have, like, say, for example, you look at the opera report, you know, you have the, the, the title, you know, the title, and then it gets to the, I'm looking for the body. I'm looking for the actual <laughs> body of the report and then it's missing. And then I, I, it flips over to the last page where it says, okay, uh, patient sent to, you know, whatever, closed up the patient and uh, send the patient off to uh, uh, recovery. And I yeah. looked very closely as an HIM person. I looked, <laughs> I like, well, look what's going on here. And I looked at the bottom and I see, you know, page, let's say, for example, uh, 15 out of 18. I said, okay, 15, flip, 17. Where's <laughs> page 16? You know, something very simple like that. Exactly. Uh, from a from a quantitative standpoint and a qualitative standpoint too is is missing and I'm like oh my gosh uh, I can't you know I, as as an auditor then I would have to send it back I would say well you need to tell these people that there's a page missing that I need to review that may or may not affect the the review process that I have for it right. and, and and I and I I instantly I thought like you know the importance i realized the importance of the you know at, after how many years of working you know in healthcare i finally realized the real importance of a release of information so it comes back to my original point that i want to address is that 
you know, HIM was never attractive in the first place. And so when we think historically, we were always thinking that, or at least I was taught, you know, because I graduated back in 2000, 2003, um, we were taught, you know, all medical records were the medical record filers when it was paper. So that was the initial role, right? So you would file the records and then you would read the records and you copy the records. That was HIM and that was it. And so now we have a full evolution of the role. I think that's a, that's a key word too, is the full evolution of the role to where now we have, we don't have to worry about filing, right? So it's just, it's just put into Thank the- goodness. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, I used to tell people, I didn't go to school four years to file. Yeah. No, there's more there. You wouldn't really need a bachelor's to do that. And what's funny is that sometimes the, um, the, the questions, even now, they still have filing questions. I'm like- yep. Why are we still yep. being asked this stuff? Uh, I mean, I, I, are there still institutions that still deal with the terminal digit and all of that stuff? Oh, yeah. There's still paper. There's still, especially in the physician division, the physician side, mm-hmm. there's still a lot of places that still have paper. Right. And even some of the hospitals have it, but it's still not. But I think there's still just that mentality. And it's the same thing with ROI. So the mentality is thinking in terms of medical records are paper records, even though, I mean, I've had people come in and say, well, how do you keep your paper? How do you keep the records secure? It's mm-hmm. like they're in a computer. They're not <laughs> on a wall. And, you know, of course, there's always still paper. We haven't been able to get rid of it completely. But with that comes release of information and standing at a copy machine and mm-hmm. copying and flipping the pages mm-hmm. which is not the case anymore yeah and that's the thing is you've got to have the skill set to be going into different systems but even to hit like what you're talking about when you're doing an inpatient or a hospital even an uh, ob- uh hospital uh surgery outpatient surgery you're still getting the record is from this date to this date it's one episode of care mm-hmm. so release of information on a hospital side for an audit if you don't get what you need, it's probably because something happened with that scanning or something happened pulling that record. That's a technical glitch. Mm. On the physician side, however, it's multiple visits. Mm-hmm. Which visit, which visit date, which there could have been 20 or 30 of them before they finally went to the hospital for one visit. So which of those dates support what you need for this particular audit especially since we all know the audits don't really always tell us what they're looking for right (laughs) just kind of say give us the records yeah but that's where it's way more complicated in the physician office because you may have paper records and ehr i have had physicians that will have their staff printed off Mm. off the medical off the ehr and then they'll write their notes and keep it in a file in there office and occasionally they'll hand it back so it gets scanned back in (laughs) oh my god so you gotta know where the records are yeah where all it they might be Mm. what is needed for whatever is being looked for and then deal with all the you know kind of idiosyncrasies of what the patient may or may not need you know et cetera et cetera so it is way more complicated when you're looking at, oh, because it's the other part is you got your med list over here and it's not part of one one incident. You got mm. a med list in one part of mm. the EHR 
you've got your chronic conditions in another one that may or may not get updated. And how are you pulling that out into a summary versus the old days where you made a copy of a certain, you know, page. But in if you think about the old records, the old physician, well, I shouldn't say old, many of them still have the paper. You might have on the left side is your ongoing chronic conditions, diagnoses, medications, and updated labs. And then your progress notes are in another part. Yeah. So the EHRs sometimes are set up that way. And on top of it, the other part that makes it even more complicated is if you have multiple physicians in multiple sites, you may have all of them that have their EHR set up slightly different to make it more convenient for mm -hmm. them. So the other part where an HIM person is extremely beneficial is what is this particular note? Is it a consult note? Is it a progress note? Is it a SOAP note? Is it a H&P? Is it a annual physical? All those different things as a data element, what exactly are you pulling? What exactly is it in there? And that's where you need kind of that HIM person who understands like you were saying, what's in an op report? What is it really called? Because you also might call it a procedure report. Mm -hmm. You might also, you know, there's just different names and the, the more physicians you have, the more variety there might be. So there you have it. That is part one of my two-part series with Sue Chamberlain. To find out more about Sue, you can go to rrsmedical.com where you could find the entire RSS team, including Sue, and it will lead you to their individual LinkedIn page. And while you're on the website, check out their resources. They have webinars that are hosted by Sue Chamberlain that include topics like compliance, the legal healthcare record, and more. So again, check out rrsmedical.com.